Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Kelly Green Hour as we are here to discuss a, and I don't know how many bad words or how frustrating I can talk about this, a frustrating, disappointing, unbelievably agonizing game where the Philadelphia Eagles fell to the New York Giants 13-7 to last week at the Meadowlands in a game that the Eagles had no business losing, but of course, turnovers doomed them. I'm your host, LJ Harrell. And joining me as always is my co-host Connor. Connor last week was bad, bad, and I don't very bad. And we can continue with all these superlatives of of terrible and frustrating and just uh, just, just we can continue with it all. But last week was not fun game, not a fun game to watch. No, not fun is a great way of saying it because it was really unenjoyable and um. To think that our offense looked the way it did for four weeks and then to watch it literally look like it did last week. And I, you know you know me when we come on the air. I hate to admit that you're right, but you did say in the final <laughs> five minutes of our episode last week when you were given your prediction, this feels like a game they got to win, need to win, will likely lose. And, well, uh, LJ, you were, uh, you were right. I, it, dude, every time there's a game that like we sit here and we're like, oh, it's everybody's picking the Eagles to win. They're favored. There's no chance they lose is when they lose. That's why, uh, and we're going to talk about it th- later, this week's game is a little worrisome um, it, because of the, the, it's the Jets. Zach Wilson's not that good. The Eagles are 11-0 all time against the Jets. It's all that, all the, all the, the, the numbers are pointing in the Eagles way it has me feeling really iffy about this week's game against the Jets as well. But yeah, last week it was just bad. Like the talk going into the game was finally the Eagles front office has come around to, to and we're not going to really dive into this much, much today. We're going to wait till the off season, but going into the game, the talk was, Oh, the front office has bought in to possibly Jalen hurts being that guy going forward, being the franchise quarterback, you know, the, the offense is based around the running abilities of him and obviously the offensive line, their run block, rush blocking abilities and the running backs that they have. And he comes out and throws three interceptions. One very, very bad interception at the end of the first half. Granted, if Greg Ward catches the ball on was the second down, first or second down, we're not talking about that interception. It's a totally different game going into the half. And then the Eagles get the ball coming out and they're instead of trailing seven, nothing. It's tied 7-7, but no, Greg Ward drops the ball. And instead of throwing the ball away, Jalen Hurts inexplicably throws the ball inbounds and it gets picked off. I don't remember if that was Xavier McKinney or Holmes pick, um, but it was all it was an awful display, an awful um, just he, he did not have have a great game. And to make matters worse, in the second half, he, he got cleated, I don't I think, on his ankle. And while he's most likely going to play this week, it may not be the same Jalen Hurts that we're used to seeing, Connor, like the, the, the guy that can make plays with his feet. And my only – my thing is a lot – there was this talk. I was listening to, to WIP yesterday, and Joe Giulio was saying that – was talking about would the offense be better – his question was, you know, would the offense be better tomorrow or this week against the Jets with Gardner Minshew starting – instead of Jalen Hurts. And his and everybody knows Joe Giglio, he's all on Jalen Hurts. He was saying the offense wouldn't be better because this is a running offense. My head, I was thinking, maybe it's we're a running offense because Jalen Hurts can't throw the football. We can't run a typical NFL passing tree because Jalen Hurts is either a one-read quarterback or he just cannot, you know, make the throws. And we saw it last week. He missed a, a, a couple of throws. Now, he did make a couple of throws where Jalen Rager dropped the ball. And we're going to get into him later because Jalen Rager just needs to not play anymore. He needs to be benched. He needs to not be starter anymore. But of course, with Howie Roseman running things and them inexplicably, inexplicably picking him with the, with the 20, was it 22nd, 23rd overall pick as a first rounder, he's going to be on the field. But, you know, my thought besides, you know, maybe we're not a passing offense because Jalen Hurts, Garner Minshew has a better arm. And has thrown the ball, it throws the ball better, excuse me, than Jalen Hurts. Maybe the offense will look better because we're not seeing the passing game offense of Nick Sirianni because Jalen Hurts can't run those plays right now. Like, it, it makes zero sense 
that you know, yes, we're a running offense. We, we lead the league in rushing right now, but that's because our quarterback cannot throw the ball. If we had a quarter, you're telling me if we had a, and I'm not going to go up there and say if we had Aaron Rodgers and, and Tom Brady, like, of course, they're, they're passing quarterbacks. But say we had Trevor Lawrence, say we had Jimmy Garoppolo, say we had um, Mac Jones. You're not telling me if we had one of those quarterbacks that we would be a passing offense, that our offensive playbook would be able to open up because we would have a quarterback that could throw the route tree, something that Jalen Hurts right now in his career cannot do. Yeah, I mean, the only thing that I would argue against that idea is look at you bring up Aaron Rodgers last week, A.J. Dillon, 20 carries, Aaron Jones, 10 carries, Matt Stafford. He had Daryl Henderson out there with 16 total carries. Teams are starting to focus back in on a run offense because you need to be able to run the ball. I get it. Granted, it kind of isolates the team in their ability to create downfield. I get that and I understand. I mean, at the end of the day, you can also look at Green Bay and you see that there was also 28 receptions by that team and that Aaron Rodgers threw the ball 44 times that game. But that's not something you could ever believe that Jalen Hurts would be capable of. But I think that no matter what, you're going to see a focus on a run game, no matter who the quarterback is in Philadelphia, because that's just how things have been working. Our best games have been where we've been able to bring the run to the forefront and leverage the run game. And it's what opens up the passing game. Because if you run, if you're running the football, it makes them come in. So then the front seven are closer and stuff. It's not to cut you off, Connor, but before you continue... When a team need, like when the Green Bay Packers or the Los Angeles Rams actually need to go out there to throw the ball to get them down the field because time's running out or to lose, they can do that. I have zero faith in Jalen Hurts doing that again as as the quarterback of the Eagles right now, um, throwing the ball down the field when you know when they need to to make big plays. A lot of the plays last week, you know, in that last drive. Again, while he made a couple of throws to Jalen uh, Reger and he dropped them, a lot of that was running the football, though. Him either running it, giving it to Boston Scott. Like, this is a running team, but if they have to pass the ball to get down the field, I have zero faith in them doing that right now. Agreed, and that's fair, and I I understand that point, and everybody's going to make that point, and I fully get that that's the point, and the fact that he throws the ball even less leaves his margin for error even less, because when he throws the ball 16 times and he only completes eight passes, of course, we're sitting there and we're scrutinizing him even worse, because you only had to throw the ball 16 times, which means those are situations you had to hit someone, you had to connect on the pass, and you didn't connect on the pass. So his margin for error is a lot slimmer than a guy like Aaron Rodgers, where nobody's talking about the fact that he only completed 28 of 45 pass attempts in the game because he had 300 yards. He only took one sack. He didn't throw any interceptions. You know, there's way less because way less talking about or scrutinizing situations like that because the errors are less. And he's got more, the errors can be spread out. It's way easier to look at two or three picks across 45 pass attempts than it is to look at, what was it, three interceptions across 20 or so attempts that he made this week. Um, so I'm definitely not not arguing that point. I'm just arguing that the best capabilities are probably going to come in continuing to establish a run game. And that's where we've done our best. And if we ever started to move away from the running game, it would just be like at the start of the year where it was like, we'll run the ball, we'll run the ball, we'll run the ball. That's just how the Eagles fan base is. And that's just where we all lean no matter what is happening. We only lost this game by six points. Yeah, and it was, it was likely, and it was likely on the back of three interceptions, three offensive drives ending in an interception. What if we were able to continue to run and establish more of a run than throw the ball thirty-one times? We did have thirty-three carries, we did have two hundred and eight yards, but we also had to go to the points. air thirty-one times. We scored seven points by rushing for over two hundred yards. The NFL, while running the ball is good, and it helps. The, the the passing off it could help the passing game you cannot you you, you just simply cannot score enough points agree by... but, but like but let's dive into that you targeted jalen regger seven times he dropped the ball on two touchdowns you know pretty I much touchdown pass and you know who i blame don't... for that i blame the quarterback because if you if if what nick sirianni said this week was right that that jalen was that regger wasn't the first or second option 
what is Jalen Hurts looking at? On those last two plays, Devontae Smith was wide open. Why didn't Devontae Agreed. Smith get the ball? That's on the quarterback. And and that's because he just he doesn't he only looks at one side of the field. He's only if uh, what the what the what the Giants wanted to do with with Jalen Hurts last week was get him to go to the left because he's not comfortable going to the left. Everything he does when he runs out the pocket, it's to the right. When he when he throws it, it seems it's to the right. So the the Giants defense, which it could potentially be a blueprint for, against the Seagulls offense with Jalen Hurts as the quarterback, is force him to the left because a he's not comfortable and he can't really throw accurately on that side on, on the left. And the the offense primarily fo- focuses to the right. So if you can force them to go to the left, you're gonna minimize what they could do what the Eagles can do offensively and the Giants did that to perfection. And, you know, the, it, it states how bad the Giants are because they got four, four they, they won the turnover battle, what, four to one, four zero. And they scored 13 points, which means the Eagles defense, A, deserves credit. And B, the Giants are just terrible. And yet the Eagles still lost the game. And if we had a different quarterback playing, totally, I believe a totally different outcome could have, Occurred. Agreed, potentially, but I got. I mean, I want to play devil's advocate because we can sit here and we can bash Jalen Hurts. We can sit here and we can say he should have made this play. He should have seen that play. He should have went with his first read. But yet we're saying he's a one-read quarterback. So he took the time to go through different reads and found Jalen Reger on that play. And because Jalen Reger dropped the ball, we're sitting there and saying, well, if he wasn't the first read or he wasn't the second read, why are you throwing the ball to that guy? Clearly, maybe Jalen Hurts standing in the pocket saw something different, and we're not going to know that. He never said anything. Nobody's going to ever say anything about that. But at the end of the day, for me, with Jalen Hurts, it's like he put two, like, like if we put that aside, he put two balls. So you want to see him throw a ball, a dime. He put two dimes on Jalen Reger, and Jalen Reger dropped both of those. But the thing that we're talking about the most is, well, A, people are bashing Jalen Reger, rightfully so. But B, we're not talking about how good of a throw these were for Jalen Hurts and how we're not, we have not seen throws like that from Jalen Hurts often. If those two balls are caught, we are not even talking about Jalen Hurts or throwing Jalen Hurts under the bus well, for the, I'm sure, I'm sure we still kind of would be, we still kind of would be, but like in playing devil's advocates, just like you're, you're just. We can sit there and we can bash Jalen Hurts, but to the same point, we have to talk about Jalen Reger. And then to sit there and say, well, he wasn't the first reader, the second read, but then we're going to bash him for being a one-read quarterback. And clearly he went out there and he saw something different and went to his third or fourth read. Like, there's no winning for for in this situation when we're talking about Jalen Hurts because there's always going to be something we pick to talk about. When he was running, when we were running the ball super effectively, it's like, but what if Jalen had to go to the air? And then it's, oh, Jalen well, did go to the air, and look what he did this needed, week when he went to the air. They needed to go to the air to win because, again, running the ball is fine and dandy. I like running the football mm-hmm. because it shows the physicalness. But when you still run for 200 yards and only score seven points, that's my issue. Like, you you have to throw – Jalen has been – relegated to throwing the 20, 25 times and throwing for 140 yards. Like that's not really, if, if you're going to want to go out there and win a championship, you're not going to win a championship by running the ball 50 times a game for 200 yards. It's just not going to happen. Um, no, you need to be able to go to the air. And right now you go to the air, you hate your target, which it's a shame because he did hit his target on the Greg Ward play. He did hit his target on the two Jalen Reger plays. It's just a shame that those two guys he, are shouldn't be starters in the NFL. He also put them in that position because of the three interceptions. Boston Scott put, mm-hmm. put him in the position because of the fumble. Nate Herbig put him in the position because of... Now, granted, the, the first hold, which was on the Boston Scott's a touchdown run, that was that was BS. Like, and And one thing we haven't mentioned is the Eagles are going to be really, really bad or really it's going to be really bad when Jason Kelsey is done because Nate, I don't think Nate, Nate Herbert's not the center of the future. So they could potentially go out and replace Kelsey if he were to retire, obviously. But we saw what the offensive line looked like without Jason Kelsey. I don't mm-hmm. like living in that life. <laughs> so I hope that a Kelsey doesn't decide to retire after this year. And B, I hope if he does that they get a suitable replacement because Herbig is not the guy, and now we're going to have to live with Herbig as our right tackle because Driscoll's out. So 
that'll that'll be fun. But um, right, like, uh, right, is he? He's right guard, not tackle. Yeah, I'm sorry, right but tackle, yeah. yeah, right guard. Um, so that, I mean, that's again, why I, I am strongly on the Tyler Linderbaum train because I know that people Iowa, are like, yeah. oh, we need to address the well, like if say, oh, if we remember, trade, we thought it, Dickerson was going to be that guy, but he's really good at left. Well, exactly, Dickerson's <laughs> been too good at where they've put him that you can't have. We can't really take him from there. We got our left yes. guard and left tackle. You've shored up the left side of the line, the right side of the line. You got your tackle. You need a guard, but. We all know, especially with Jeff Stoutland and with the way the Eagles have been playing for the last 10 years with Jason Kel- Kelsey there, you that offensive line really goes through Kelsey. That offensive line really goes through a really good center, an effective center, one who communicates well, one who can move to the second level well, one that may be undersized but is very athletic, very tough like we're seeing. And Tyler Linderbaum screams all those things to me. And But the crappy thing is if we end up trading away any of these picks, yeah. you lose the capability because center is not a dire need for us. We have. Yeah. A, I feel like Jeff Stoutland and Nick Sirianni would be like, we have enough depth that I think we can trust her bigger. We can trust somebody else who we can plug in there for the time being, which is a shame because I completely disagree. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying too. Um, trying, I kind of lost track real quick, but yeah, look, I am, I like Jalen Hurts. I'm a mm-hmm. Jalen Hurts fan, but it's hard to win in the NFL. As I mentioned, running the football to sit like, this isn't the, 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 the NFL of the 60s, 70s, 80s. It's a new NFL. It's it's and the thing is, the NFL has changed rules to cater to the offense. Like Anthony Brown last week against the um the the Raiders got called for four pass interference penalties. Now it felt like the referees held the whistle because the Giants got away with a bunch of shit, and it was and but they called a bunch of ticky tack stuff on on the Eagles, which really was annoying and bothersome, and 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 it felt like. The the it, and I hate to blame the refs and I hate to bring it up, but it, it just felt like the Eagles were getting, you know, screwed most of the the game last week. But as I was saying, you have to be able to throw the ball to it. You cannot average 140 yards passing a game and think you're gonna mm-hmm. win. You just cannot do that. Well, I mean, um, take a look. Like, I think a really good example of this is look at the Cleveland Browns. And I understand they're playing with like a quarter of a quarterback right now because, uh, you know, Mayfield has pretty much every injury under the sun to his like shoulder, yeah. knee, ankle. But when they need to go to the air, they are so ineffective. But when they can just leverage that ground game that they have, which they can pretty much put anyone in there because you see Dearness Johnson went in there, but with Cream Hunt, Nick Chubb. You can only do so much, but when they have to go to the air, they just can't seem to get anything done unless it's going through a tight end pretty much. Yeah, you're right. And it would also help, like, Devontae, it made zero sense that Rager got as many targets as Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard combined. That's an issue for me. I don't know if that's on the quarterback. I don't know if that's on the play design. I don't know if that's on Sirianni's play calls. But you have to early on in the game. Now, look, I, I mentioned it. I like running the football because when you had three total rushes against Dallas, that was that was ridiculous. Then against the Saints, you had 50 rushes. Look, you're, I don't want them to have three rushes. Obviously, 50 rushes, it can happen when you're in when you have a lead. You start running the ball in the fourth quarter just to, <clears throat> excuse me, just to um, like kill the clock. So I get that, but. You know, early in the game, they came out throwing the football against a, a Giants team that is what twenty in the twenties in rushing defense made no sense. But mm-hmm. if you're going to throw the football, get your your best offensive players involved early on. Get Devontae Smith involved early on. Get Dallas Goddard involved early on. Goddard had zero catches last week. That should not happen, especially for you. Get, just gave him a bunch of money, like. Use him, abuse him, go at him. I don't think the Giants really have anybody. I don't think, you know, Xavier McKinney can cover him. Um, like, he should have had a big day. Again, I don't. I can't tell you if that was on the quarterback. I can't tell you if that was on Sirianni with the play calls. But something needs to change in that, in that because this is, 
and I again, and I know I say it every week. I hate talking about the schedule, but like, look at the teams you're going up against. You'll see the you get the Jets this week. You'll see the, the Washington, whose defense is playing better, but still, is Landon Collins going to cover Dallas Goddard? I don't think I don't think he has the ability to do that. Like, you have to be able to use these talents of these players. Devontae Smith should be. You should run your offense, your passing game through Devontae Smith. He should be read number one, number two, and then Goddard should be number three. Like. I don't care. Do that. But it, it just made no sense. And once the Giants realized that the Eagles passing game wasn't going to do anything, that's when they could stack. The, and it didn't really work. They, they could stack the box. But the Eagles offensive line is just that dominant that they were still able to run for over 200 yards. But my main point is the Eagles scored seven points. You cannot rush the ball 40 times and think you're going to put points on the board all the time. That's where I do, I do think to come in. I do think this split made sense last week. I mean, I understand we were kind of throwing for our lives at the end of the game, but to have 30 carries and to have 30 pass attempts is not unrealistic. I think that that's a potent, like that's a type of split that can succeed in this league. Mm-hmm. The issue becomes the passing quarterback and the situation Jalen Hurts was in. He he was he went 14 for 31 for 129 yards. That has to be 129 you know, yards is terrible. Exactly. That has to be like, you know, 22 to 27 for 31 and 250 yards. Shoot, that I don't has even to want to. 27 or 31, it, it, that's it unrealistic. A little heavy. Yeah, it hurts. Yes, I would yes. be fine with 20 of 31 for 200 yards. But he had he averaged less than 10 yards a completion. That can't happen. A lot of quarterbacks average 10 yards an attempt. He averaged less than 10 yards a I completion. I would take. I would take Daniel Jones' line, 19 for 30, 202 yards and a touchdown. Yeah, he got sacked once, which isn't even that bad. His QBR was shit. That was at the end, too. To, to me, that doesn't even matter. That's the type of stat. If Jalen Hurts can put up that type of stat line with one touchdown, two touchdowns, maybe three touchdowns, depending on the week, then you have your 30 carries for 200 and something yards that we're almost getting every single week now. That can work. You can work with that. Things can work with the Bible. Do you want to know how they – do you want to know if – if I was changing one number and the Eagles win that game? Give me one interception and not three interceptions and the Eagles win that game. Give me because, two interceptions instead of three because look at some of the – like even one of those drives could have ended in, in a touchdown. Well, the, should the have end ended of the first, in a touchdown. End of, the end of the first half, you could have – even a field goal, which means you have three points, and if you're in the same position, it's 13-10 and not 13-7, and you're not forcing the ball into the end zone trying to go for Rager, and you have the NFC Special Teams Player of the Month kicking a game-time field goal to go to overtime. I have mm-hmm. faith in that. But the turnover at the end of the first half is what was was Carson, and I hate to say it, but a lot of people were saying it, Carson Wentz-esque. But he did, well, he did, it, was, it, it was. It was. He's like, done it a couple it, times this year. And that's exactly what Jalen looked like last week. It, it was exa- it was an attempt to throw the ball away, but he's like, but if my guy's there, you know, like the hero play. It's like, yep. if my guy's there, I might hit it. Hopefully the defense isn't there. And the defense was there. And he literally just threw it into their hands because he was like, if I kind of leave it in the field of play, there might be some some chance. But I, I do have to agree with you as far as the uh, the receiving game goes. Jalen Reger has no right ever, ever, ever out-targeting Devonta Smith and Dallas yep. Goddard. No matter what the game looks like on the field, he never again has any right to out-target either of those men ever again. He should see no more Combined. than two, three, max four targets in a game, and they got to be, and I know he sucks at them too, but they got to be screen plays. They got to be really short plays. He does not play the intermediate and deep no, part of the field to- well enough in my eyes. Do you to remember let the him go game? outside of that zero to ten range. Do you remember the Detroit game before he got hurt? Mm-hmm. Do you know what they? You, do you remember what they were doing with him? He was Clean. running the football out the backfield. Yeah, that's exactly. where he should be, especially if you if you have injuries to the running back position. Um, you know, Jordan Howard's going to be out this week. Miles Sanders is probably going to play, but he's banged up. Boston Scott's banged up, um, and then you have Kenny Gainwell. Like, so use him out the freaking backfield. This is where I wanted uh, having a vet receiver would help this team a lot, and that's why coming out, like coming going into the offseason, number one, the Eagles need obviously have to improve like linebacker, but they need to improve 
or they need to get a vet receiver, whether that's Mike Williams, whether that's Devontae Adams, if he can get out, if he gets out of Green Bay, whether it's Allen Robinson. If they had a vet receiver on this team, I wonder that person could get into Jalen Rager's face. Like the Eagles don't have that vet in the receiver room that could go at Jalen Rager to to tell him about like what's going on with himself. And it's tough to do that when you you have a bunch of receivers that Greg Ward is the elder statesman in the receivers room. Mm-hmm. Like I don't and I don't think he has the cachet to where he can go up the regular and be like, dude, like you need to fix this, fix fix your. Well, he had a drop of his own, so he definitely doesn't. <laughs> exactly. So th- that that's it's th- that's why we, when we were talking the trade deadline and stuff like. Go after a vet receiver. That's exactly what they need, and they weren't able to. And I, and, and we're kind of seeing it right now because that that not only would that help the receiver, but it would help somebody like Devontae Smith. He's a he's going to be a star in this league, but he still needs mm-hmm. somebody to learn from, somebody that's done done it in this league, and he doesn't have that right now. Agreed. And, and I mean, we've seen it. Like I mean, I know like Green Bay is a completely different thing, but you see Randall Cobb. When they need Randall Cobb, he steps up, even though they have Devontae Adams. Mm-hmm. And we were like, well, why would you want Randall Cobb back? When Devontae Adams was down, Randall Cobb had that big game. Randall Cobb's returned punts. Randall Cobb does it all. And Randall Cobb is like discount version of what we need. Mm-hmm. We need Michael Gallup. We need Mike Williams. We need I don't something want like that. I don't want anybody from Dallas, by the way. <laughs> I understand. But like, you know, you need something like Michael. Nobody, maybe Devonta Smith. But nobody is making a catch like Michael Gallup made on Thursday night on this roster right now. Well, I Devonta that, Smith we, maybe, but you're not going to have Jalen Hurts put oh, the ball on nobody, him like that. I know nobody's going to make that catch, but every time we bring a Dallas person here, they are terrible. Agreed. Agreed. So, but I, I I definitely agree with your point on on that. We need a veteran receiver. The the receivers are too young. Um, when they get shut down, they get frustrated the or they besides, get shut down. Besides the offensive line, all the skill position like players, they're all young. Like we have, that's where they built, done a good job of building through the draft. But now this is where you need to add a veteran receiver to help the offense and to help your young quarterback. And you definitely don't have to go high, high end. Like we've seen the impact of a guy like a Marvin Jones. I mean, the Jags suck, but we've seen the impact of guys like Marvin Jones or older guys who shoot Alshon Jeffrey, Alshon Jeffrey back when he first came over too. Exactly. We've seen the impact of not going all out, not going for the top dog. We have uh, currently, I think it's going to be 20 to $25 million to play with next season. So that's enough that you can take $5 million and say, what wide receiver can we get for $5 million? Maybe not go to the top of the ranks because a Mike Williams is probably going to eat up 10 plus million. Uh, Michael Gallup, they're probably going for 10 to $15 million guaranteed, almost certainly. Look what Aguilar and Bourne got paid this year. You're definitely going to see that type the of payment The one thing come. I trust, the one thing I trust, Howie, and I don't trust him with a lot, is <laughs> is um, fugazing the uh, numbers on a contract. Like, if, mm-hmm. if he wanted to get Devontae Adams, <clears throat> which I don't, like, if I, I know Green Bay's going to do what they can do to keep him to help Jordan Love, because I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going to go back. But, um, like, if he were to find, if he were to slip out of Green Bay, like, my number one call is 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 to Devontae Adams. You know, they want a free agency to get them here. Because if you compare to – if you're, you're starting receivers are Devontae Adams and Devontae Smith, like with Dallas Goddard and a healthy Miles Sanders with this offensive line, like I, that, that's an offense that will scare people. This offense right now doesn't really – like teams don't mind. Like, okay, run on us. We don't care. You scored seven points. Again, my main point. You scored seven points running for over 200 yards. I'll give up seven points and over 200 yards because that means if we're giving up only seven points, we're probably winning the game. Um, so, but if you have a Devonte Adams with Devonte Smith and this passing, uh, an offense that can go and pass the ball, you would you would see defenses be scared of this offense. I don't think they're scared right now, and it doesn't matter who we're going up against. The Giants aren't a good team. They weren't scared of the Eagles' mm-hmm. offense last week. 
Agreed. Um, before we move on, I do want to talk because we spent like, you know, now 25 minutes going off on the offense. <laughs> I do want to talk a little bit about the defense. So do I. First, so do I. first of all, one thing I really want to point out, that defensive line is in trouble. I feel like Derek Barnett needs to go. I am seriously concerned about Josh Sweat. And I just don't understand what there was no pressure. This was one. This is one of a 10 worst offensive lines. I think they were even in the five worst offensive lines in the league for pressures allowed. And we got almost nothing. And, and I don't say nothing because, because I don't count the I don't count. Not Sorry, not to cut. I don't count the end of the game when no. um the the um when the Giants were just trying to kill the clock. So Daniel mm-hmm. Jones took that sack like. You're right. They got zero pressure. The defensive ends, I, I think we mentioned it last week. We know our defensive tackles are good. But the defensive ends are just, are they're, they're, they're invisible. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm glad you brought that up because they got against a terrible offensive line and they're going to go up against another terrible offensive line this week. You have to get after the quarterback. Agreed. And like ever since Josh Sweat got that contract – there was that one game that I said, this is a Josh Sweat game. He had that game. And since then, there's really been not, nothing from Josh Sweat. And he just got paid some big money. So what are you going to do across from him next season? Like, yeah, you have Milton Williams, who's kind of a hybrid end tackle. But you need an end. You need a, you need a real end. defensive end. They need an Aiden Hutchinson. They need a DeMarvin Leal should move to the inside. So I'm not really in on him as an edge guy. But, like, you need a real, a true edge. And Derek Barnett, as much as we hate to say it, he's going to command some money. And a team's going to pay this Good. dude. He's going to get 10, probably him. probably the 8 to $12 million range. And we can't afford that. We can't afford to bring a guy back who's got more penalties than he has career sacks with us. We can't. Mm-hmm. You can't bring that type of, of guy back. And I think that Josh Sweat can be the guy. But he needs a true edge on the other side. And you did point out the tackles. Because the edges aren't respected by the other team's offensive line, the tackles are getting suffocated because they can focus and allocate a bit more resources in on Javon Hargrave and in on Fletcher Cox and Hassan Ridgeway and Milton Williams, whoever is out there. They can focus their attention in on them because the edges can be handled in one-on-one. Oh, yeah, I definitely agree with you there. And and you know, And we always talk about them needing to improve the – the linebacker position. Did you get a chance to watch um, the the Pac-12 championship game yesterday, Oregon and um, Utah? I, I I did not, but I saw the highlight, and I'm assuming we're talking Devin Lloyd. Hell yeah! Look, look. <laughs> if the Eagles don't trade their first their first round picks to to acquire a quarterback, look. If you can get a, an Aiden Hutchinson with that first one, which I don't know if they're going to be high enough for that, but if you could do that, and you go for Lloyd with maybe the third one, and then if you could, with that second one, maybe get a corner or something, and maybe a safety in Kyle Hamilton, something like that. Like, you could fix your de- – almost fix your defense in the first round next year. But, boy – and Lloyd is almost that prototypical type of linebacker to the Eagles, like a converted safety who's now a linebacker who plays in the Pac-12. Like, that's that's Howie Roseman's wet dream right there. <laughs> agreed, agreed. And, and like, I understand, like – do I think the Eagles should bring back Alex Singleton because he he's Special leading the team in sure. yeah he's leading the team in tackles he's also leading the team by a mile in missed tackles and he isn't even playing a full time workload mm-hmm. should he be back yes but Special should teams. he should he ever have like a 60 70 80 <clears> percent <throat> like snap share no, he's that guy who's going to go out, he's going to make this stop, but the more you take away, like if he's playing 40 or 50 or 30% of the snaps for you and special teams, you're seeing way less, you know, of the missed tackles. And he can come so, out there when a linebacker needs a break or whatever, and we're seeing him step in this week for uh, Davion Taylor. He pretty much took back the Davion Taylor role. Um, you know, potentially the, the the linebacker, if they were to say they were going to draft Lloyd, like your linebacker core could be Lloyd, uh, Edwards and Taylor like that has a potential to be a, mm-hmm. a linebacker court that could grow together and be eventually become a really good linebacker linebacking crew that that will actually be able to make plays for this Eagles defense absolutely I I think you if you can come back at a, a cheap price tag you know like a couple million dollars for a backup linebacker 
100% bring Alex Singleton back. I think he's about the last name on the list of free agents that I'm really like, I mean, Harrison McLeod, that's up for debate. But like we we see, you know, if you bring some of these older guys back, we see like, you know, Jason Kelsey, he's owed $10 million, whether he plays for us or not. Brandon Graham is owed like $17 million, $16 million, whether he plays for us or not next season. Fletcher Cox is owed this monster dead cap. If you're bringing them back, don't bring them back in a way where you fugaze the money, as you say, and to kick it down the line. That's the thing. <laughs> we have enough that we're kicking down the line with these veterans. If you're bringing McLeod in, if you're bringing Harris back, make sure it's <clears throat> clear. I'm bringing you back. I'm going to load this up with incentives. You hit them or you don't hit them, but I'm going to keep you at a very minimal cost to this team and do not create dead cap out of it. I still think that the salary cap's a myth anyway. Look at the Rams. Like, seriously, they're able to add Von Miller. They're able to add OBJ. They they pay Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, Matt Stafford, Robert Woods. Like, let's be real. The salary cap is a myth. It's a myth within reason. Eventually, like this dead money, like these these things you restructure, it catches up to you. It's just it was growing enough that it never caught up to Howie. But because, you know, we had the covid season, that's what hit the brakes on everything. And it's like, holy crap, this is where all the money is. This is where it's all been all this time, because as soon as the cap didn't go up enough, it didn't continue at its trajectory. Boom. Everyone's like, oh, is he really a magician? 100% these guys can continue to be cap magicians, but you need to not ever have that circumstance come where the cap stays the same or goes down in a year. And then you never question it. <clears throat> yeah, you're right. Um, so we're talking about the defense. While <clears throat> the defensive ends have been bad, the linebacker, you know, Alex Singleton leads the world in missed tackles. Um, you have to get, now, again, it was the Giants offense. You have to give the, the defense credit. They kept the Eagles in the game. When 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 the, the, the offense is turning the ball over four times, they're still – like Darius Slay is playing at such a high level right now. Look, he doesn't have the 10, 9 or 10 picks that Trayvon Diggs has, but no, the Giants didn't look at his side of the field last week. Like literally did not. They went Steven Nelson's way. They went the middle of the field. Wherever Darius Slay was – whether he was on Galladay or Slayton or um, I don't even know who else was playing. Ingram, I don't know if he would have been on him or not. But, like, it didn't matter who Slay was on. The Giants went the opposite way. So, mm-hmm. like, he – Darius Slay is – we've talked about it the longest time that we needed a CV1. And we got him last year, and he struggled a little bit. It could have been the defense. But he is playing at an all-world level right now. And if he can mm-hmm. continue that, like – Regardless of this week, going up against an Elijah Moore, you know, Crowder will be in the slot most likely, but um, I don't know. I don't know if Davis is going to play. Uh, Doesn't whoever, sound like it. Whoever like he's lining up against, Zach, except Zach Wilson's young enough and, and has that gunslinger mentality that he may actually test him, and we could see another big day from from Slay to where he has another you know touchdown. He he has three touchdowns. In the last, you know, in the last what five weeks, three touchdowns, giving up two catches, a 0.0 QB rating or passer rating. You know, he has been very, very good for the Eagles, and that's without you know Stephen Nelson has been all right, but hasn't been that great. The safeties have been man, um, like Anthony Harris has not been good. Ronnie McLeod is starting to get his feet back under him after coming back. You know, Marcus Epps is probably getting more PT now than than Anthony Harris, and we know what the linebacker situation is. But, yeah, Slay deserves a lot of credit. Defense last week deserves credit for keeping the Eagles in the game until that until the very end. Agreed. And, like, we can't discount, like, like you said, Avante Maddox either and, oh, and yeah. how important yeah. it was to lock up that position because he was looking good. He made some plays. He And he is, man, he is a sure thing of a tackler as you get, man. He Even if he's got you by one foot, somehow he claws his way <laughs> to make sure you go down and you do not get – away from him like that's impressive that's what you need in a nickel corner this is like what we had a couple years ago with uh robinson and then he went and got paid by the saints avante maddox is like that replacement so now you just got sure up the other side of the field from slay and obviously think about life after slay because you know slay is not getting any younger he's like what 32 years old right now 
So he's not going to get any younger, but at least you can guarantee you've given yourself time. You don't need nickel corners. You don't need smaller corners. Get some bigger guys. And I mean, we've seen it. They've acquired some. So clearly they're not going to go late in the draft with it. They might try and develop in-house like a guy like Tay Gowan. Um, they may try and develop in-house or they may try and go and draft again and just they're just building up the backup cornerback room. But obviously there's a lack of confidence in drafting late this year at that position. So hopefully they either draft early or they're confident with the way the way they can develop. But as we've seen with guys like Sidney Jones and Rasul Douglas, the development of cornerbacks in Philadelphia isn't exactly something to brag about. Yeah, your boy Rasul Douglas looked good last week. Um, that he Packers. did. Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, they're all hyping him up. Um, and and it, uh, like I would love to get a Derek Stingley. I don't know if they're going to be drafted high enough for him because he mm-hmm. you know. Pair him with Darius Slay and, and Avante in the slot, be a really really good um, a cornerback room. Um, but we'll see we'll see what happens. But yeah, the, the defense played really well last week. They just have to continue it. Don't let up. Don't read press clippings. Um, and the, you know they just go out there and play their game. And hopefully the offense can pick th- pick things up. Excuse me, and score points and not turn the ball over f- four times in a, in a game that they had no right turning the ball over that many times. Yeah, no, definitely. I completely agree with you there. Like the, the it, I think the turnovers were really the killer, and I find it so hard to find anything beyond the pressure aspect that I mm-hmm. hated about the defense because yeah. the defense was so good, but the pressures, like it was excruciating. They were getting manhandled by, and they had no right to get manhandled by that mm-hmm. offensive line. One hundred percent, one hundred percent agree. All right, so let's move on to the unheralded player of the week last week. Uh, there were a couple games, uh, obviously a couple of games, but there were a couple of big time days by some players. Do you want to go first, Connor? Or you want me to take sure, it? Sure. You you already mentioned him, so I got to call out my boy Rasul Douglas. Six total <laughs> tackles, four passes defended, and they won by eight. And it just so happens that Rasul Douglas had an interception, thirty-three yard return for a touchdown, which obviously isn't the full-on difference maker, but it is seven points it is part mm-hmm. of the difference maker likely we know we've seen with Darius say how important it is when you can get that interception touchdown and it was a huge win for the Green Bay Packers against a slump in Los Angeles Rams team so calling him my boy Rasul Douglas man I still wish things could have worked out here um, but obviously the square in a circle hole uh, aspect of the Jim Schwartz defense was not working and clearly he has his moments, but he's finding a nice, he's finding his feet and finding a safe ground there in Green Bay, it seems. Yeah, that's a good one. I'm going to go, and I don't, I honestly don't know if he should be considered as an unheralded player, but the Dolphins defeated the Panthers last week, 33-10. to 10. Jalen Waddell, nine catches, 137 yards, and a touchdown. He, and I think he leads all rookies in catches. Um, I don't know, maybe yards, too, I don't know, it's either him or Chase, but Remember, a lot of people chastised, I think I said in the word right, the Dolphins for drafting, for trading, you know, up with the Eagles. And maybe they thought they were going to get Chase, but they, they ended up with Waddle. And people were like, you traded up for Waddle? Well, Waddle's been pretty good um, for, for the Dolphins. And, you know, if, if him and Tua can continue to build the chemistry like they did at Alabama, Waddle's going to be really good for a long time. Uh, but, yeah, he had a big game last week, 137 yards, touchdown. And the Dolphins win, where Dolphins' fourth straight win, which is hurting the Eagles' chances at a top five draft pick. So the Dolphins need to stop winning games. Agree. No, I I feel like I had Waddle a few weeks back too, when he had a bigger <laughs> game a few weeks back. But he definitely is someone who's emerging. He's definitely unheralded, and he he he's he was a massive part of that Miami win. Yeah. All right. So before we talk Eagles Jets, I wanted to bring up. I know we're primarily Eagles talk, NFL talk. But there has been a lot of things going on in the NCAA this week in terms of coaching, the coaching carousel. Lincoln Riley unexpectedly left Oklahoma to go to USC. And as we talked before we, we, we started recording, Connor, I mean, if you look at his contract, of course, you know, anybody will leave. Um, and then go into the Pac-12 and he could really turn USC back into that dominant program that they were under Pete Carroll. We'll see. Then maybe the most... Stunning of the week was Brian Kelly leaving Notre Dame 
to go to LSU, you know, to lose to Alabama and Georgia and whatnot, but he takes over the Tigers program and he leaves a Notre Dame team that potentially, I don't think they deserve it, but potent, and I'm not a big, I'm not a Notre Dame fan at all, but potentially can make the college football playoff this week, depending on what happens in conference championship games. What were your th- and then we, there's talk of um, Mario Cristobal, you know, Oregon offered him a contract extension. They're worried that he may go back to Miami if the new AD at Miami decides to fire Manny Diaz. A lot of openings. Florida, uh, Florida just, you know, they, they fired Mullen and hired, hired a coach. Uh, who knows what's going to happen at the likes of, again, Miami, Texas, Washington, and Washington State, I believe, have openings. What are your thoughts on especially the Riley and Kelly moves? Yeah, the uh, the Riley move, I mean, we kind of talked about it before we recorded. And, man, if you're sitting there and you're telling me I'm going to buy you a new home and I'm going to buy you out of your they, – they were about to sell a home because they just built a brand new home and they paid $500,000 over what the asking price would have been for them. Like, yep. damn, I think I'd have a hard time saying no to that too. That they, When that contract <laughs> came out, I was like – Holy, the <laughs> money, man. The money they have to throw around at these colleges is crazy. Um, but I agree with you, the Notre Dame one was uh, was a weird one, but really great for the new one, new coach here, Freeman, one of the very few black coaches in college football, which is really good. He moves up from the defensive coordinator role, I believe. He's been there since 2010, and he's just worked his way up. So, yeah, again, I hate Notre Dame, but, like, Freeman, as as a person, it was good to see like him getting the recognition that he deserves. And and you saw <clears throat> when they had a, a when when they introduced him and the players were really excited and happy for him. You like to see that. Um, and you had mentioned before we came on that the, with the whole name, image, and likeness thing going on, a lot of college programs are going to probably spend more money on coaches instead of you know the under the table you know hey you come here you know we'll give you the, i'm not saying it happens but you never know obviously it may happen around let's, let's be programs. honest let's be honest <laughs> it, it happens teams have been called there reggie bush lost a heisman because of reggie that type bush of should stuff. get that heisman back i agree especially with the way it is now it's like okay forgive and forget it's, it's a heisman we can't the money is not what made the heisman trophy winner it yeah. didn't drive him to get the Heisman. He was, he was the best elite, player in college football. Yeah, he was the best player in college football. He was an elite player um, and played at an elite level that year. So 100% agree with you there. And we know what happens. We knew what happened. And now with name, image, and likeness, you don't have to invest a penny on the player side. Because look at some of the NIL deals these guys are getting. Bryce Young like, is making close to a mil. Um, the guy that... So the quarterback from Ohio that he was a quarterback in Texas, like a high school. Te- uh, Quinn Texas. Ewers. Yeah, Ewers. Then he he enrolled at Ohio State early to to make that money, and now he's in the transfer portal because C.J. Stroud was so good this year that, that Ewers isn't going to have a chance. So it'll be interesting to see where he goes and what Rick, Lincoln Riley has already been able <clears throat> to get two flips from that had committed to Oklahoma to come to USC, a receiver and a quarterback. Um, so like. And, you know, Arch Manning, he's the number one rated, um, you know, play. He's a junior this year, the number one rated player in the class of 2023. How much money do you think that kid's going to get when he just, wherever he decides to go to college, whether that he goes to Ole Miss, Alabama, um, you know, doesn't, I think, you know, Ole Miss, Lane Kiffin is all on that kid, by the way. Obviously, with his dad, uh, his, his grandpa and his uncle having gone to Ole Miss. It wouldn't be a shocker if he ended up going to Ole Miss, but like that kid's gonna get a lot of money in this uh, with the NIL stuff. Yeah, hundred percent agreed. And like the impact of like influencers and social media and bit like cryptocurrency and all these types of things that people are getting involved with in the NIL, the value of that stuff is only gonna continue to go up to have those the, those names and those faces attached to these brands and, and what they're trying to do. So obviously, like you said, a million dollars will be nothing. Like five years from now, we're probably going to be talking about $5 million NIL yeah. deals. 
and it's just going to keep growing and growing. It's such a crazy concept to me, but good for the players. They damn well deserve that. They were making so much money, so much money for these these universities or these colleges and they were getting almost nothing out of it maybe a little bit here and there but there was no like even if we're talking under the table payments there was never million dollar payments there was never five hundred thousand dollar payments being made like we're talking little like throw throw yeah a couple hundo here and all this type of stuff so like this is huge and definitely just a huge show of respect the only thing I disagree with is Quinny Ewers like leaving school a year early, not finishing his high school degree. I just don't want to see stuff like that happen. I don't want to see NIL push people to a point that they're not even getting like, you know, like high school educations. Finish your education mm-hmm. properly, get to college, make your money, then make your bank <coughs> then. Well, before NIL, there were players that would graduate high school early and, and, and to enroll on campus for like the spring semester. So they can go through spring practices to have a, a, you know, better understanding of the playbook and maybe even be able to play their freshman year. So I don't really have an issue with that per se, like do you pretty much. Um, but yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see, especially with these two co- new coaching hires and the, the coaching hires that are going to take place um, once the off season starts as like, you know, with it being championship weekend and the, uh, the, the college football playoff rank, the final rankings will be out and we'll find out who makes it. And you can kind of know as you watch games who's going to make it and, and whatnot. I, I love this time of year, like bowl season. It's it's, it's great. Just And you get to see matchups you, you rarely have a chance to see, um, you know, throughout uh, years in, in uh, NCAA football. All right. <clears throat> Eagles, Jets, by the way, I know I mentioned it before. I will be at the game. I am going. I'll t- take a picture, post it on our uh, Twitter account, at Kelly Green Hour. But – the Eagles, Jets, Eagles favored by about seven points. Again, let's hope that this isn't another another miserable trip to the Meadowlands. Connor, let us know your thoughts and even maybe give us a preview of your piece that will be coming out on the FightPhillyFightNetwork.com this week. Yeah, that'll it'll definitely be coming out hopefully tonight, maybe tomorrow morning, just in time for you to read up quickly before the game. Um, but, I mean, the Jets... I know this may be hard to believe, but the Jets are worse than the Giants. Understandably so. The Jets got three wins. I mean, they got the they got the win against Houston, which is whatever you know they needed that win. They've for also any type the of self respect. They've also beaten the Titans and Bengals. Bengals. So they've beaten teams that are you know like right there in the thick of a playoff playoff hunt. One was overtime, both of them by three. One was overtime by the field goal. Um, so, I mean, not to discount the wins, but they are still the New York Jets. And the big thing here, the Eagles have got to put up points and yards. It's inexcusable to have what happened against the Giants last week happen again this week. Do it early, From an too, aerial so perspective. The Jets kind of quit. Uh huh. Exactly. From an aerial perspective, you have to get the yard. This team ranks 32nd in points against they've allowed 344 points against and they rank 31st in yards allowed like you can run all you want but make sure when you go to the air you are hitting because this team just purges yards and points they just give them away as you're walking in the door when you're going to the locker room they're like here's some points for you pretty much (laughs) like this team is really really bad and don't like not to discount their wins like i said but they are really bad and those wins were more likely freak accidents than they were a sign of the jets being anything worth thinking about or thinking that they're any further along in their rebuild because this team is a long ways away from being anything in this league so i think this isn't on the defense i mean like i said the defense get get pressure you got to get pressure the jets offensive line is about as bad as the giants offensive line i think they're the third they've allowed the third most pressures i know it's top five i can't remember the exact number but they're allowing top five most pressures top five most hurries you gotta turn to convert those hurries and those pressures into sacks you gotta just create hurries and sacks all together Hurries and pressures all together. I mean, um, Josh Schwepp, Derek Barnett, Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargrave. We're looking at a Ryan Kerrigan, if we can even say that name. Lord. We're, we're looking at them for producing anything, 
anything and making Zach Wilson because we've seen it. Zach Wilson, his biggest comp right now is Johnny Manziel and Manziel. <laughs> Manziel. And like, we're, we're, you know, you're seeing it. You're seeing it, man. He He's being forced to make decisions on the fly. Is he their future quarterback, their franchise quarterback? It's way too early to predict because he's behind a terrible offensive line. He's a lot. He's down his running back now. His his running backs can't produce because the offensive line can't do anything. His receivers aren't that great. Um, outside of like Elijah Moore and Corey Davis has been banged up. He's got no tight end to really throw to. So it's tough to say if he's a franchise quarterback because they got to continue to build that offense around him. But at the end of the day, when you look at it, he makes those bad decisions. He makes some of those decisions like we saw from Jalen Hurts last week, but he makes them constantly every single week. They have the most turnovers, and I'm pretty sure it's the most interceptions thrown. And they've also gone through – they when he was injured, they cycled through. Joe Flacco had a start. Josh Johnson had a start. Um, and I still can't believe they traded us a sixth-round pick for him. Agreed. A hundred percent agree with that, especially when you consider it's going to be for one start. Um, So overall, like the Jets are terrible all along the bottom 10, pretty much across the board, statistically, defensively, offensively, doesn't matter where you look. Um, So to me, this is this like last week's game, but even more so because it's like the Jets, the Texans and the Lions are probably the three worst. And then the Giants are probably right there, debatable right there, because they are a complete mess and they're pretty much tearing it down this offseason. Um, so for me, I mean, you got to win. You got to produce pressure. And then on the offensive side of the ball, you just got to produce yardage and turn the, that yardage into points. <clears throat> mm-hmm. I don't even care if they win 2 nothing at this point. Just get a win. Like, it, it was last week's effort was so embarrassing. They can't have it happen again. Um, I don't know. Like they just need to find a way to go. Like you said, score points. They need to figure out the passing game. We know that they can run the football. That's all fine. That's all dandy. But you're not going to win a championship running the football. You have to be able to throw the ball. And if Jalen Hurts, who's hobbled <clears throat> and I believe questionable coming into this game, is your starting quarterback, still throw the football. Let let's see what he can do against this defense that is pretty porous for the Jets. Like you said, I mean they have good players. Like, Quentin Williams is a really good defensive tackle. Uh, C.J. Mosley is a pretty good linebacker. Jonathan Franklin Myers is pretty good. You know, he plays all over that line for, for the Jets. Um, offensively, they're going to be missing Mekhi Becton again. He's out since, I think, like week two in the year. They're big, big uh, – what's he, left tackle, right tackle. Um, Zach Wilson, as I mentioned earlier, he's a gunslinger. He's going to throw the ball. Darius Slay has a chance to come away with a, couple, a turnover or two. Um, the Eagles cannot get pressure or force turnovers against the Jets. I don't know what they're going to do the rest of the year because, like, this is the worst team, I think, that they're going to play, you know, of the last five games. They have five games left, two uh, two on the road, three at home. They have to be able to get pressure on Wilson, stop the running game, like Ty Johnson. I think Michael Carter is out. Um, so, like, it, it's Ty Johnson, and I don't even know who their other running back is. Like, they have – they should Tevin not be Coleman. Able- oh, yeah, it's Tevin Coleman. They really should not be able to move the ball on you. They're able to. That's an embarrassment. <clears throat> and the Eagles should be able to move the ball on them. We know that they're going to be able to run the ball because that's what they do. But like you mentioned it, we've said time and time again throughout this 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 show, throw the football. It feels like the total opposite from the beginning when we were begging them to run the football. Look, I'm not saying you need to go out there and throw the ball 70 times. I'm saying – in order to open up the middle of the field, you have to get Devontae Smith involved. You have to get Dallas Goddard involved. And if you can get the passing game going, it's really going to be hard for teams to stop the running game because they're, you know, they're going to not be able to, <clears throat> excuse me, because then they can't key on the running game. So that's what these are going to have to do. But let's, let's find a way to get your star offensive skill position, we- uh, weapons open and get them involved in the offense, especially with a hobbled quarterback. And who knows what the what running backs are going to be playing? We know Jordan Howard is out. Um, Miles Sanders is probably going to play. He's hobbled. Boston Scott might play. He's hobbled. Kenny Gainwell is going to see a lot of you know time on the field. They're going to have to find a way to to um, get things going to to put points on the board. And and I mentioned like when you were talking, score early, the Jets will quit. And and I hate I hate to bring it up, but the Eagles are 11 and 0 against the Jets all time. You don't want to be that team that loses. To the Jets <laughs> on Monday, Darius, Darius Slay was uh, doing his player lounge show on uh, WIP, 
and they mentioned that to him. I think it was Elliot Shore Parks that mentioned that to him. And he was like, oh, God, don't tell us that. We don't want to know that. Um, so hopefully they don't, you know, go in there high on their britches thinking that just by showing up, they're going to win. Because that's I think that's what happened last week. Yeah, I definitely agree with you there. And like you said, you get ahead, at least for the Jets, they don't quit, but it increases their <laughs> – they kind of quit, but it also increases the amount that they have to throw, which increases the amount that Zach Wilson yep. will create mistakes, have yep. mistakes, and you can end up with that two, three, four interception type game, kind of like what we witnessed with Jalen Hurts last week. If you force them to throw the ball more, your team is exposed more. That just mm-hmm. seems that's just a common practice. Like they say it <laughs> even with the offensive line. It's easier to expose offensive lines when they're in pass pro than when they're running the when they're run blocking. And mm-hmm. we, we so why why not just force them to go to the air? Zach Wilson can make his touchy decisions, try and go for it all, and we can make him pay for those because we know our defense can make him pay, but can the offense put the defense in a position to make them pay? They have to 100%. And if we want to keep ourselves in the race, I mean, Cowboys win on Thursday hurt a lot for the chances mm-hmm. of the NFC East, but they it is still very much for the taking that seventh uh spot that final wild card spot so we need this one we need these wins we pretty i feel we pretty much are at a point where we have to win out so we really got to make sure that we do we do that and <coughs> the way taylor heineke and washington's looking yeah those two games are going to be a lot tougher than they looked about three weeks ago agreed so what's your score what's your prediction um i got the eagles i find i i mean it feels like whenever we pick against the Eagles, they get the win, but I cannot, in all due respect, pick the New York Jets. <laughs> and, and talking on this podcast, we'd probably lose all our listeners if we ever said, yeah, I think I'm going to go with the Jets here. Um, I'm going Philadelphia Eagles over the New York Jets, and I'm going with a score of, I think, oh, I mean, I don't see the Jets being able to do a whole lot. 27-13. Uh, I picked the Eagles last... I- I picked against the Eagles like the previous what two weeks and they won. I picked them last week and they lost. It almost uh, feels like you have to pick the I know, Jets, right? right? It almost feels like <laughs> I have to pick the Jets, but I, I'm with you. I don't think the Jets aren't a good team. Like the Eagles shouldn't lose this game. If they lose this game, then somebody needs to get fired Monday or Sunday on the bus ride home. Somebody needs to get fired if you lose to the Jets. I'm going 17-14 Eagles. That just sounds, because I don't that sounds like such an <clears throat> ugly game because I don't trust them I have I, I can't trust that offense right now or the passing game anyway um and with your quarterback hobbled and his best attribute is running the ball and he's not gonna he might not be at a full 100% to do that I I just don't have the faith right now but I'm gonna go 17 14 in an ugly game and I'll be there and I'll be ripping my head out <laughs> I, I, I I'm going to go insane I might lose my voice who knows uh, but the Eagles need to get a win before the bye week. The Eagles have a bye next week too, so it'll be good to get a win, feel feel positivity going into the bye week uh, before you you finish off the season with four NFC East games: one on the road in Washington, three at home against Washington, New York, and the Giant uh, and the Cowboys. Yeah, definitely. It would be nice to go in with a W. And I completely forgot when we started the show before you do uh, close. And um, I completely forgot to talk about our partners and our sponsors. I was going to get to that before we It's so much better to thank them at the end, but make sure to have them mentioned at the beginning, have them the focal point of kicking it all off. But yeah, make sure to go check out the Fight Philly Fight Network. They're putting out a lot of written content. They're doing an incredible job. They have a podcast as well. Make sure you get all your Eagles content there two podcasts and looks like written content almost daily um fight philly fight network.com and at fpf network on twitter and of course our sponsors over at bet us uh go check out go to betus.com tell them the kelly green i sent you by using the promo code fpf network and they will give you a 125 percent bonus sign up deposit match yeah, we got we were too hyped coming in talking about this the pick the despicable game last week against the Giants. <laughs> I totally forgot as well. Like halfway through, I was like, oh crap. But I knew we were gonna get it in at the end. And also follow us on Twitter at Kelly Green Hour. I'll post a pick for my seats at the game tomorrow. Or at the, yeah, at the game against the Jets. 
Uh, follow Connor on Twitter at Connor10. Follow me on Twitter at LJHorrell54. Um, and, and follow the Fight Philly Fight Network on Twitter at P or FPF Network. Um, and then, as Connor said, visit the website at our Fight Philly Fight Network dot com uh connor's peacefully up either later tonight or tomorrow early tomorrow um get you some a good read before the eagles take on the jets at 1 p.m at the meadowlands in east rutherford new jersey we both have the eagles winning i have an ugly game connor has one a little more comfortable because all the jets stink but i can't really we can't really talk we just lost to the giants for Connor, and wherever you are listening to us please rate and review the show uh, let us know how we're doing. Uh, you can DM us either on the Kelly Green Hour Twitter or our own personal Twitters. If there's something you want us to discuss, um, if you have any um, you know, suggestions on, on ways we can improve the show. So for Connor, I'm LJ. Thank you for listening to the Kelly Green Hour. Fly, Eagles, fly. 